What's up, everybody? Welcome to It's In Season, the anime podcast that is most certainly following along with you during the winter 2017 anime season. I'm David. One of our co-hosts, Cody, is unfortunately uh, out this week. Uh, He's out, uh, unfortunately, due to a power outage. Uh, Tried to give him a little bit of time, but it looks like it didn't work out, so... We're wishing Cody well, and and we're hoping him and his are all safe, and he'll be back ASAP, because I also went through the same storm and power outage here not too long ago. But Shay, our third co-host, is here, fully recovered, I hope, fully healthy, and your electricity and your internet is working good, and we're good to go. What's up, Shay? Hi. Yep. Everything here is a go. I hate to say it's been 80 degrees today, so no sign of winter storms here. Oh, well, <laughs> that's it's it's been about 60 degrees cooler than that today. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> like, have you ever lived anywhere where it was like really wintry, Shay? No, I'm no. I've been born and raised in California. So the most we get is rainstorms like El Nino and of course the occasional earthquake but as far as like a winter with like snow no have you ever been up (laughs) like in the mountains or anything because I know they get snow out there up in the mountains yeah uh, Tahoe or Reno is not too far like it's about maybe like a two maybe like a three four hour drive maybe and no I've never been there so I have actually never actually never seen snow in person I've seen it on TV but as far as in person I have not so I'm like a true California girl (laughs) okay wow that's cool because I've lived in places even when I was in the military where it was all four seasons uh, all, all the time so that that's that's really interesting but what else is interesting is the two anime we're watching this season, Scum's Wish and Chaos Child. We are up to episodes seven and eight, and I don't know about you, Shay, but I'm ready to dive back into this season. Let's start off with Chaos Child, uh, episode seven. Uh, this episode was called Untitled, uh, and the the mystery is going on. Uh, I'll just read the quick rundown from Crunchyroll. Senri Minamisawa is dead. She became the fifth victim of the new generation madness, committing suicide by impaling herself on a piece of rebar and then setting herself on fire in her own locked apartment. Wow! The murders on this show are absolutely gruesome, and this episode does not let up. Takaru and his friends are relieved, but at the same time uncertain that it's really over just in case they decide to stay together on the day of the next murder everyone hides out at alba clinic where it should be but then yui and ito go missing and oh my goodness wow Whew. this this episode 
you know, I like mystery shows like this where in the first act they set the tone and then in the second act everything goes into high gear and yeah, this episode was at warp 9 and it got really really gruesome. Yeah, it really did. Is actually one of the with episode 7 and 7 and 8, they both actually really drove like really dr- dragged dragged me in like really caught my interest and even though there wasn't because there was so much action there wasn't as much talk of like so much crime talk and yeah. like with the other episodes which made it a lot slower a little bit and made us kind of at least for me kind of wonder like how how much time has passed in this episode like how much do I have left? And with these two episodes, like it really had me enthralled and really threw me in, especially with all the different deaths that happened in this ep- in these two episodes. No kidding. And it really feels like it feels like the murders are getting more and more significant. And mm-hmm. one thing that I've liked about Chaos Child, and one thing that I love about a lot of anime now is that it feels like it's taking place in present time. Like you saw people leaking things on, onto the internet that mm-hmm. had consequences and it eventually led to a very, very significant moment. Uh, and another thing that I really liked with this show that works really well with mystery anime and, and thriller anime was, I, I don't know if you caught on to this in this episode, was uh, there were a lot of musical cues in this episode that, that built tension and uh, that were certain moments where you knew you had to pay attention. And in shows like this, crime shows, mystery shows, thriller shows... It's important to have those things because so far with Chaos Child, it has at some times kind of dragged on a little bit. Uh, the The action has been good, but with the newspaper club and how they're trying to solve the murder, sometimes it has dragged on a little bit. And this was the first time I noticed in episode seven where I noticed the musical cues. Uh, I don't know if you caught on to that. Did you? I did. And it definitely did help a lot with creating that suspense in each episode a lot because that's always a big thing I mean with any series that you watch the music always helps you to get into the series so much more whether it's sad or happy or in this case just the suspense of it all it was utterly amazing I I agree and the show uh, it feels like it's really hitting its second gear which was which was needed right at right at this time i'm not a hundred per sure how many episodes uh chaos child is getting i'm thinking it's getting 12 or 13 don't quote me on that but it's hitting its stride right at the right time which which is awesome in my opinion and i'm starting to look forward to the next few episodes as they come because uh, it feels like the pace of the show is picking up it feels like we're reaching maybe not the climax but we're reaching a significant point yeah i think we're getting to the point where so many different things are going to be revealed because they revealed so many things in these past two episodes like they they just it like blew the top off of like my mind with all the things that they revealed and all the shocking instances that happened 
I will say this. Uh, we're going to jump into episode eight uh, for a little bit. Uh, Heads or Tails was the title of this episode. Uh, for Takadu, uh, after everything that happened in episode seven, he seemed a bit, how do I put this? A bit more calm than I expected him to be, uh, especially with everything that went down with the murder. Uh, I was expecting him, as he has shown, to kind of go a little bit crazy, and he didn't. Or, or he didn't completely. How about you? Yeah, I was shocked that he didn't go completely crazy. Because yeah. I think uh, I would <laughs> Yeah, and, and as we've seen in this show, he's having a tough time. Uh, it, it might be his power, but he's having a tough time holding his his sanity together through all of this. Uh, that that was the main thing that I noticed from this episode. But they seem to build a good amount from episode seven. And like I said, the show with the last two episodes is really kicking into gear. There's still um, a good amount of dialogue with the investigation, but it's it's moving a little quicker now. You know, like how on an episode of like Law and Order SVU or something, mm-hmm. they reach a point in the episode where the pace starts picking up. And things move a little faster, the dialogue is faster, the action comes a little quicker. I feel like now with episode 7 especially, and hopefully going forward, Chaos Child has hit that point. Uh, it, it's it's took a little bit of time to get there, uh, in my opinion. Maybe they stretched it out just a little much. Mm-hmm. But we're getting there, so it's fine. Yeah, I... I also agree. I'm like this. If you're someone that's starting this series or thinking about starting it, you definitely have to be very patient with getting to the like the meat of the show. That definitely it, starts it was to, dragging a little bit. Yes, like, it honestly, dragged, it was dragging. It, yeah. So for anyone that's thinking about watching this show, it does drag for some time. So you are going to be definitely watching the clock a little bit to figure out you know, like how much longer the show's going to go on. So you definitely have to be patient with this show. But once you get, it seems like with seven, seven and eight, especially with episode seven, your patience was definitely rewarded with you being so patient and getting to like a good, a good scene that re- definitely kept you, you know, in the moment and just kind of like, Ooh, what happens next? And I'll also say this throughout the entire series, in my opinion, when there is action and when there is something violent happening, it is, how do I put this in a way that doesn't sound totally monstrous or insane? The action and the violence is, it does not hold back. Uh, they're they're searching for a serial killer, and this is a serial killer that is committing some very heinous, very gruesome acts, and nothing about Chaos Child is holding back, which, with a lot of the, the hyphenated science adventure shows, uh, is something that I, I've appreciated. But mm-hmm. in the case of Chaos Child specifically... The violence is really, really upfront. It's holding nothing back, and it, I, I guess in a way that's in a in a twisted way that's kind of a, a reward for sitting 
through so much of the investigative side of things, which which you really don't see a lot of in a lot of shows where the action, when it picks up, it's at 11 every single episode with this show. It, and it does not let up. I think as far as the, the violence in the show is, con- is, is concerned, because yes, I feel like whenever any, there's any kind of an action sequence where something is happening to any of the characters or a character that has died during the series, they do go all out with that violence. They do not hold anything back. And for me, it's very reminiscent of Elf and Lead. For anyone who's ever uh, seen that show, the violence yeah. in that show also held nothing back. And it was something that a lot of people for to me was legendary because I would always hear people say with Elf and Lee, they would say, if you can get through the first, first 10 minutes of the first episode, you can make it through the entire series before it was, because it was that violent. And for me, I was like, well, challenge accepted. I'm going to try this. And then I watched the show and the show is a great show, but it's also to me like kind of a, <laughs> a it's a good show, but to me it's like, a you know, um, I, I watched it with someone. Uh, we, we marathoned it. Uh, and uh, I remember uh, a few friends of the show, uh, Colton uh, at uh, Manga Mavericks and a few others, told me that they thought Elfin Lead was the worst show they'd ever watched. The worst yeah, anime maybe. they'd ever seen. And uh, the, the friend that I watched it with said it was one of her favorites. So it's it's a very polarizing show, and I, I can I can almost see Chaos Child being maybe not as polarizing on the level of as Elf and Lead, but mm-hmm. yeah, I could I can kind of see that. Yeah, I can see in a way. Really enough, I see like Elf and Lead and Chaos Child, and I feel like Elf and Lead is like a backward storytelling kind of of chaos child in the violence sense because elf and lee started off with so much violence and then toward the middle once they got a lot of the story out where you start to feel for a lot of the characters it kind of got less violent unless you needed those pivotal scenes to explain something and i feel like with and that's like towards the ending part of it and then i feel like chaos child is going the opposite direction and starting off with not as much until it's needed and i feel like the ending part is going to start to get more and more and more because of them getting to that ending of the climax of the entire story. But maybe Chaos Child might be kind of polarizing, maybe a little bit. And it could be, I feel like if it is going to be polarizing and people saying it's not a good show or people saying they love it, it's probably going to be based off of those first six episodes of the people who couldn't get through the first six episodes with it being so talky or chatty and the people that were able to get through it. One thing that I'm hoping is if Chaos Child gets a dub... If Chaos Child gets a dub, which I'm 99% sure it is, uh, I I think people will have a much different opinion on this show. Uh, I think watching it with the dub will be much, much easier. Okay, just confirmed. Yeah, it is being dubbed, simul-dubbed on Funimation, so maybe I'll check out the dub for the rest of the series. I've been watching it subbed uh, this entire time. Uh, But, you know, simul-dubs aren't exactly lightning fast so it is what it is uh chaos child is moving along and we're gonna move along to scum's wish the the anime that is on anna twitter's mind everywhere scum's wish you know what i liked about the last two episodes shay 
What? I like that we are still starting to see more and more characters. Mm-hmm. And two, I'm feeling like the theory that I think we both had early on is starting to look like it might end up being right. Yeah. Yeah, I also agree with you. And one other thing that I also did like about the about these past two episodes was I feel like the female characters got stronger. Especially one of them got well both both, uh, I feel like Mocha, or uh, Moko, I believe is her name, and Hanabi. Yeah. Both, both to me, got stronger as a character with these last two episodes. And I feel like Akane got d- bumped down a peg since she got called out on her stuff. Which was really necessary. Cause she it was, was satisfying to see. Awful. I'll be honest. It was satisfying to watch because I was like, oh, absolutely. Her. <laughs> I, I was glad that happened. Uh, but I want to talk. I want to talk about Mocha for a little bit because uh, I found her really fascinating in episode mm-hmm. seven. Also, one thing about episode seven, uh, there was that movie that she was watching with Mugi where you hear the Japanese voice actors speak in English. And I, I want to commend whomever it was that was doing that movie scene uh, in English. And I got to say, they, they actually did a pretty okay job. Because there's been plenty of anime where Japanese voice actors try to speak English. And, well, it ends up becoming a meme like Steins Gate. Mm-hmm. But it, it turned out... It, it turned out pretty okay uh, in that particular scene. Uh, but yeah, Mocha, she, she was kind of putting up this front, this facade of being this perfect princess, uh, stereotypical anime girl where she was prime and pure and pristine uh, because she thought that is what Mugi wanted from her. Uh, I, I thought this was really interesting in episode seven. Uh, what did you think? I thought it was too, because when I when they first introduced Mocha as a character, I found her kind of annoying. So I didn't know how long she would she would last. And then in a couple of episodes, she wasn't around too much. So in this episode, when she reappeared, and you kind of learned her backstory a little bit and why she is the way she is, it's like she became a little bit relatable because. It's something that I'm sure every single girl or guy has done when someone has complimented them on something or said something to them and then they stretch it out and it becomes their entire being because they're like, this person likes me for this. Let me stretch it out and maybe they'll like me more. But then what I liked even more about her, though, as a character is that she then became what we had talked about before earlier of if you like somebody and even if you can only be with them for one moment in one time at once for one time within a moment. And even though they don't like you back, you just know you have that one moment to cling to and seeing her in that thought process. And then eventually, you know, deciding against it and standing on her own two feet and deciding to just walk away was one of the strongest moments. And I applaud, I applaud that character for that because That's something that has to be a tough decision on anybody and how she just walked away and was like, I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to do this. And for her finally just kind of giving it up. That is why I grew to love her. 
I I completely agree. Uh, I, I want to take another perspective on this in that uh, Moogie uh, with Mocha, uh, she confessed her feelings to him. And in one way, he was like, okay, all right. And, and then they ended up together uh, in bed together. But then later on, Moogie was like, I can't do this to this girl. She's, she's, how do I put this? She's too pure. Uh, she saw, like, Moogie saw Mocha the same way he always did. And he felt that he himself uh, was really too, <laughs> I guess there's no other way to say this, too scummy of a guy to do anything with her almost saying i'm really no good for you no i'm really no good for you and i found that incredibly fascinating because uh, throughout this show we've seen that Mugi is a very multi-dimensional character uh, he sees himself in a certain way he does certain things but he acknowledges that he's very very flawed uh, like a lot of the female characters do uh, and, and it's something that isn't played up for laughs at all uh, none of Mugi's uh, insecurities or, or or the things that go on in his head about himself or about women for that matter are really played up for laughs. And I, I find that to be just as a guy really refreshing. Uh, it yeah. shows that he, he's more than just uh, nosebleeds, I guess. Yeah, I... He's a, he's a pretty thoughtful guy uh, in the fact that even though he acknowledged Mocha's feelings and to a point was a little bit receptive to it, he didn't want to totally break her heart. Yeah. Uh, which I, I think, really respect. I think in a weird way, and in a way it's kind of, I guess, playing in a way devil's advocate, just a little bit. Um, I feel like Moogie is a playboy with a bit of a heart. So... Because of the fact that he did, he had one line that he said to Mocha in the, when they were in the scene, when they were in bed together. And he said, I don't know why, but I just find you so damn cute right now. And it was like a moment of where he's like, I really don't know if I feel something for you. But in this moment, you are attractive. So I'm going to go for it. But in a way, he was also a little bit surprised when she did walk away. So in a way, I feel like him saying, I'm no good for you could also be a game to see if she would have still like say something along the lines of I don't care and still go along with it. Just And she didn't. Right. And she didn't. And I feel like that surprised him because she went against everything that he thought. Because in a way, he was kind of surprised that she walked away. Which ended up being good for both of them. Right. Like. It was very good for, especially it was especially good for good for Mocha because to me it made her grow up. You know, it was like in that moment she grew up and she was just like, I'm not playing this game anymore and I'm done with it. And it made it kind of also in a way bumped Mugi Mugi down a peg because then he wasn't able to get another girl or tie another girl into this web 
that's getting bigger and bigger. And, and he realized that. He realized mm-hmm. what he was doing, and he realized that even he himself was not totally okay with mm-hmm. what he was doing. And I, I think that's a good moment of growth for him as oh, yeah. well. And and maybe he'll he'll get something out of that too. Mm-hmm. But but I'm I'm totally in agreement with you on Mocha. This is this is great for her. Maybe we'll see more of her as the series goes on. And uh, I'm I'm interested in how uh, we'll go forward with Mugi because uh, at the end of this episode, uh, mm-hmm. Mugi and Hanabi made an agreement that they would each tell their respective object of effect of affection how they feel. Uh, soon, uh, and we're we're getting to that in episode eight, where the the promise that they would tell each other, uh, mm-hmm. tell their respective crushes, uh, got moved up. Yeah, and we also go back to Sanai, uh, yeah. the the cousin. Yes, and l- let's talk about a little bit uh, in episode eight with Mugi and Hanabi, uh, and let's go with Hanabi for a second. And because she is, for all intents and purposes, the main character of this show. And we're back to Hanabi in episode eight. Uh, she confesses and she ends up moving on fairly well. But mm-hmm. that's not the first thing in this show, uh, in this episode, that really caught my attention with Hanabi. Uh, I, I want to know if you know what I'm getting at, but but tell me what you thought about this episode. I thought it was amazingly heartbreaking to watch, to watch both characters profess their love for the people they knew they could never have. But probably for me, the most heartbreaking was seeing Hanabe break down once she confessed and just realizing that it wasn't going to happen. That was probably the most heartbreaking for me was just watching that. I do agree with that, uh, but there was another yeah. moment in this episode where Mugi hugs Hanabi, mm-hmm. and they point out how Hanabi reacts in a way that surprised even herself. Uh, do you remember that one? I believe so, yeah. I believe I know the scene that you're talking about. All right, and we've talked a few times uh, on the podcast how we both think, and I'm pretty sure Cody said this too, mm-hmm. that it's looking more and more like Mugi and Hanabe are kind of making their way towards one another. And yeah. I get the feeling that this is this was a pretty significant moment between the two. How about you? I also believe that too. And I think even Hanabe mentioned it about wanting to date him for real. And I believe that was kind of why they both decided to tell the people that they are in love with to confess to them was so that they could date each other for real without constantly thinking of the what ifs regarding the people that they do, they regarding the people that they are in love with. All right, so now Mugi and mm-hmm. Akane. Yeah. And Mugi did something that I... This was my relatable moment in this show, finally. 
to where he realized that Kane was totally narcissistic and self-obsessed and manipulative and just all around a bad person. But because us guys are sometimes the way we are, there was that little part of us that said, maybe I can change her just a little bit. But I also really want to bang her. So one way or another, we're going to give it one last shot. And Mugi learned that you don't do that. You just don't. With the the girl that is narcissistic and manipulative and gets off on hurting other people, you don't do that because it's it's bad news. You just don't do that. Nope. It felt like for a little bit with it felt like with Mugi when he called out Akane and called her everything just basically called her out, called her on her shit pretty much and told her about herself. And then Akane's comment right after he said all that was, well, why did you follow me here? Was kind of like, you know, you say all that, but your mind is saying one thing, but your body is saying something completely different. And then he kind of proves that with the end of that episode. And you're just kind of like, I feel like you basically just put all your feelings out to her in a physical way to let out all that aggression that you're ha- that you have. Which you was know what? Like a powerful scene for him to do that because you were like, because for me, I was like, I, for me, I was kind of disappointed away because I was like, you said all that to then still sleep with her. Like that was my first, that was my thought process. And then once I thought about it, I was like. Okay, well, maybe that's the last hurrah before <laughs> you're done with her. But still, it's kind of like when you break up with someone, like you break up with your with your ex, but then you still decide to sleep with each other. It's like, why? <laughs> why? You know, th- this is going to sound just <laughs> terrible on my part as okay. a t- as a totally straight. Kinsey test zero heterosexual dude. This is going to sound terrible because when all of that was going down, there was a part of me that was saying when it comes to Mugi, yeah, good job. Tell her, tell her, give her the business. At the same time, he was in bed with her. And again, there's that side of me that is still very much a guy that was like, you know, one last round, eh, you know i I couldn't be I couldn't be too mad at him for it because you know sometimes try as we might us guys we're we're animals we are and, and it is what it is yeah I, I saw both sides <laughs> of it and I, I couldn't yeah. I couldn't help but empathize to a certain degree just just as a guy but but I completely agree with you that it was time for him to move on from Makane and I'm glad that to a certain degree he did. Yeah, I feel like that's his but, way but, of... But I wasn't totally mad at him. <laughs> I understand. I feel like that was his way of moving on, but then it also made me made me think, since we had such a powerful moment in the last episode with Mocha walking away, 
from Yugi with kind of the not the same scenario, but with her finally getting the guts to just leave it to be done with it. I feel like if Yugi would have walked away from Akane in that moment, it would not have been as powerful. And I feel like it made it a little bit much more powerful that he still did do what he needed to still, you know, slept with her in the end. Because I feel like if in would the it end, be really bad of me, Shay? <laughs> would it really be bad of me to say that he got it out of his system? Yeah, no, no, but that's exactly what I was, that's exactly the point I was going with, was that I feel like it's not going to be even more powerful for him to not give her any attention after doing that and being done with it. Because I feel like then it's like she's getting a taste of kind of her own medicine, just a little bit of having someone sleep with her, use her for that, and then be done with her, which is kind of what she does the opposite way for guys, is manipulate them, gets what she wants, and then once she's bored, you know, she's done with him. And I feel like if he does the same thing, she can taste of her own medicine, which is even more powerful. And it's kind of like that instant karma gratification that us as a society like to see when someone does bad and it gets bad done to them. Then we're all like, yeah, like that should have happened. They should do get that done. So maybe in a way with him sitting with her, it's going to be an even more powerful moment in the end, depending on what happens after the fact. Because now we don't know what happens. I'm going to put a little faith in Mookie. I'm going to put a little faith in him. Uh, he got Akane out of his system, uh, figuratively and literally. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm going to put a little faith in him that th- he'll be a better person a- after what happened with Mocha and what happened with Akane. He's gotten all of those things out of his system and he'll go forward and uh, you know who knows what will happen later on who knows yeah uh what did you think about uh sanai and her cousin her cousin that that i just it made me feel weird because i was so at first i was confused because i didn't understand who this character was because they kind of just introduced him all of a sudden and then I was like, wait, who is this? And then when they when he explained that, you know, how he met met Sanai and that's his cousin, I was like, he's in love with his cousin. Like that was it that my immediate and I understood it at that moment. And I was just like, now how is this now this triangle or this and what I have found out is that that is way more common in Japan than expected. Well, that's, well, shocking. I mean. Yeah, wow. it is. <laughs> I mean, it's, in the- it, it is, it is significantly less taboo uh, in Japan than it is in the West when it is a cousin. Does it's a bit it- less taboo. Well, does it depend on which cousin? Because, like, first, is it, like, a third cousin? Like, a second? A twice removed? Like, like, I don't know. Because, I mean, like... I figure if you have the same last name, that's just a big no-no all around. So you got to have a different last name, basically. I would hope so, but then again... but But that could still be your first cousin. Like, Absolutely, that could, it could. Your, that could still be your dad's sister's child, and they just yes. have a different last name because they got. That's just all kinds of crazy. Well, yeah, we'll see how that. But, but Sanai, out. 
to to her credit, yeah, basically she's not said in. that she she's not into guys. And, no, and Atsuya was pretty much cool with that. I I noticed that, and it's kind of makes me wonder if he's going to try and change her, like take that on as a challenge. You know that would be appropriate for this show. That really would be, be appropriate. Like I really wouldn't I, be surprised, or I wouldn't be honestly. What I wouldn't be surprised of, honestly, this is just my theory or what I think might happen. If Sanaya's cousin somehow meets Akane, hmm. that that because that in and of itself would probably be the craziest scenario. Because then that's just adding one more extra person into this crazy web. And then seeing what happens with Mugi. Because if that puts a jolt to his system to see her, then move on. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's something I literally just thought of. Because that's just a scenario I can totally see happening with this, uh, this no, show. No, no, no. I, I like it. I like it. I like yeah. it. I definitely like it. I, I, that I want to Treasure, I, I would not be opposed to that. <laughs> yeah. I also would also really wonder, and I want to see, if there's going to be another showdown between Akane and Hanabe, especially with what just happened with Mugi. Yeah. To, to think that maybe not necessarily fighting over Mugi. No, but, no, but, but just, just it's like confronting her, like yeah, Hanabe confronting the, Akane. The two of them have been always clashing. Yeah, and it's been like past. That, the, that past would be that. That would be something to see a great conclusion for. I think. Yes, but I'm still trying to but, figure out how Sanai is gonna be in all of this because I feel like now Sanai has kind of gotten a lot of stuff out of her system because now Hanabe has kind of not ended that she's kind of like ended that portion of the relationship with her and Sanai, but she still wants that friendship. So it makes me wonder about what role she's now going to play in the series, especially now with her cousins reduced, but I feel like her cousin's going to get caught up with the Kane and that's going to bring her right back in. And that'll be something else we can look forward to. I'm really, mm -hmm. I'm really liking how much this show is leaving possibilities uh, shows like this where it's like a romantic octagon where every character likes somebody else, they're usually pretty obvious. This show is not obvious, and I kind of like that. Mm -hmm. Not even the two main characters are totally set in stone yet. Yet. Yeah. But that that is one thing that this show really does have going for it. Yeah. I like how relatable it is because I feel like it's – it's done in a time where most of society is like this, as far as how most relationships turn out. You know, most relationships now seem like they're one-sided or you're with somebody, but you're not really with them. Or you're with someone just because you can't be with the person that you want to be with. And I feel like it's so relatable, probably on so many levels for so many people, not just the relationship part, but just the characters themselves. Like with how Akane is manipulative and narcissistic, how Hanabi is like innocent, not very sure of herself, not very confident, and it's used as an object. And then you have Mugi, who was like a playboy with a little bit of a heart because he has a weird past that we still don't have all the complete answers to, but yet he still is kind of using girls to his benefit. And I feel like everyone can somehow, in a weird way, put 
someone they know in that character's shoes because they're like, oh, I know a girl just like that. I know a boy just like that. I've been in this situation. And that's what I'm liking about the show because we can all pinpoint someone that we know is like these characters and feel like our entire life is playing out in this scene, but we don't know where it's going to go. Oh, I, I've definitely known a few Akanes. I'll say that much. <laughs> I've known a few Akanes. I'm, but but you know what what's funny about all of this is that you and I were were kind of predicting like the most obvious rom com ending where yeah. the two main characters who started as only just kind of being with one another for the sake of loneliness uh end up realizing they have feelings for one another. And that would be like the most generic rom com ending of all. Yeah, I feel like the I feel like the best ending, I feel like, but even though we both know probably what's going to end up happening, would be if they didn't end up together in the end. If they literally just yeah. decided to be friends. Like, I feel like that would be the best ending. And I feel like the reason why I say that is because one of the best romantic comedy shows that I've ever watched was Paradise Kiss. And the ending in that show was not your typical ending. And I loved it for that with the fact of it with the fact of I feel like I don't I want to say the ending but I want to put a spoiler out there for anyone who wants to see it but the fact that she the main character did not end up with the character that we everyone that I myself thought she was going to end up with and completely ended up with somebody else was perfect and it made me love the show because I was like oh that's not a typical ending I like it you know and I feel like with this show, if they do end up together, then kind of see the way that they end up together is the interesting part because there are so many moving parts to this series. But I feel like we'll make it even more powerful is with all these moving parts and then them to ultimately not end up together, but to be happy about it. That would For be a show like this to end up with characters actually being happy would be <laughs> really spectacular. And right. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward yeah, to it. And I hope everyone out there is looking forward to both of these shows that we talked about, Chaos Child and Scum's Wish. Uh, we'll be back with episodes 9 and 10 very, very soon. Shay, what have you got going on, Miss Anime Reviewer Girl? What have you got going on? I still have my YouTube channel, and I'm coming out with more discussions. Um, I last, this past Saturday, put out a video doing my review on the fourth season of Utano Prince Sama, uh, which was Utano Prince Sama Legend, uh, Legend Star. Um, so check that out if you haven't already. And I'll have a new video coming out t- tomorrow. Actually, it's going to be a discussion. So yeah, that's what I have going on so far. <laughs> All right, very cool, very cool. And uh, one more time, that is at youtube.com slash... Anime Review Girl. Anime Review Girl. I'm David, that's Shay. I was on the Ritual Misery podcast not that long ago. I've got another guest spot coming up with guys over at the Secrets of the Sailor Madness coming up soon. We're going to talk about Dr. Cat's Professional Therapist, the cartoon from Comedy Central back in the day. So get ready for that one. It's a, it's a classic. It's a, it's a personal favorite of mine from back in the day. And all of the other stuff that I'm doing over at DeltaJuliaMike.com. Thanks, guys, so much for listening to It's In Season. Scum's Wish and Chaos Child shall continue, and we'll talk to you next time.